Welcome to Life Tips, the show that offers expert tips and savvy advice to make life easier and more fun on the web and around the world. Life Tips President Byron White talks to the latest trendsetters about strategies to grow your business. Now, please welcome this week's Life Tips host, Byron White. Welcome, everyone, to today's Life Tips show. Pleasure to be chatting today with Patrick Keeney the founder of a company called Grease Monkey, um, Green Grease Monkey, I should say, and you can visit greengreasemonkey.com to learn a little bit more about his site and his business. Um, Welcome, Patrick. Thanks for joining us today. Sure. It's a pleasure to be on. Right on. So let's see. I want to learn a little bit about, let me sort of offer a brief explanation that you have uh, a, a quite uh, entertaining website here. You're focused in the Boston area of converting diesel vehicles to run on vegetable oil. And as part of our Make the World a Better Place in the Green Frontier, <laughs> uh, we wanted to have guests like you on. So tell us a little bit about your business and, and how it came about and, and, uh, and also how you ended up connecting with, with your existing uh, partner right now, Jamie Merkel. Uh, sure. Um, it was about 2002 uh, when some friends of mine who own a hemp uh, clothing goods store um, had a car in there called the Hemp Car. Uh, it was some guys from, I believe, North Carolina who were touring the U.S. in a car that ran on biofuel made out of uh, industrial hemp seed oil. And I was blown away. I thought I was uh, was pretty hip and, and knew a lot of the alternative uh, energy sources that were out there, but I had never heard anything about running diesels on, you know, essentially plants, uh, plant oils. And I did a little more research and, and discovered it was true. Uh, and at that point, I, I sought out a cheap diesel car and started getting uh, commercially produced biodiesel here in, in Boston and ran it on that for a little while and persuaded myself that it was, it was legitimate. And uh, at that point, decided that I needed to learn for myself how to, to do the engine conversion so that I could run on on vegetable oil as opposed to, to biodiesel. Um, and I should probably clarify just for listeners because there is, there's a lot of confusion uh, out there about, you know, what is what. You know, people will say, oh, I want to convert my car to biodiesel. Well, any diesel engine can be run on what's called biodiesel. Biodiesel is vegetable oil that's been chemically modified to be thinner uh, and, and run in, in modern diesel engines without any other modifications. Um, you can also modify a diesel engine so that it will run on straight vegetable oil. It basically involves the addition of uh, some heat exchangers uh, and a, you know, a parallel fuel system, a second tank, and a, a couple of electric switches that can switch you back and forth between your, your main diesel tank and your auxiliary vegetable oil tank. But there's a there's an important distinction to be made, and that's that you know biodiesel is chemically processed vegetable oil that can run in any diesel engine, and uh, you know the conversions are for diesel engines that you want to run on on actual what's called WVO waste vegetable oil or SVO straight vegetable oil. So just want to make that clarification. And you know my decision was I want to run cars on vegetable oil, and I went and learned procedure, the conversion technique at a place up in Vermont. It was uh, the Yestermar School of Design. And uh, a couple of guys up there taught uh, about a dozen of us how to do it. And that was back in, in this 
late winter of 2004, and at that point, I, uh, I started looking for, for cheaper diesel cars to, to work on, and that was how I met up with Jamie. Uh, he was selling a, uh, a failed conversion experiment of his own, and uh, he, was, uh, he was a couple of steps behind me on the conversion process, uh, which I was able to, to help him out with. But he had been making his own biodiesel, which I knew very little about, and he kind of brought me up to speed on that. And since that time, uh, we've added another guy to the to the roster, Dave Staunton. He's a guy, uh, guy that we met um, uh, who was also interested in it, and we've been we've been going all out ever since then. We've been converting engines to run on vegetable oil. We've been making biodiesel for uh, for people who want you know options. Alternatives from petroleum fuels. Uh, we've partnered with several restaurants in the greater Boston area to help them eliminate uh, their, you know, their waste fryer oil. Uh, it helps. Uh, it helps uh, with their bottom line. You know, it, it minimizes their disposal fees. So there's great benefits all around, and we've just uh, we've had a great time doing it too. We get to you know we get to come on radio shows like yours and hmm. and kind of spread the gospel about uh, the good alternatives that are out there that, that people need to embrace if we're going to seriously tackle some of the, the crises that we're facing, you know. Good stuff all the way around. A question, uh, some, some rapid-fire questions for you, which I think will help people uh, understand the, the opportunity here a little bit more. How many, um, how many cars have you actually converted? Uh, we kind of lost track after the first couple of years, but of... of Conservative estimate would be around ninety or a hundred. We've we've done dozens and dozens at this point, and we've done cars, we've done trucks, we've done buses. Um, we looked at a tractor, but they uh, the customer decided they didn't want to do it uh, because it was a, a a vehicle that they had to work all year, and they wanted to wait until the season was over before they did it. And then we haven't done a boat yet either, but we've had uh, some people calling about doing you know big diesel boat engines. But we've done just about every kind of diesel car you can imagine and a lot of the trucks. Tell us a little bit about uh, the risk. Um, and um, the, the, the FAQ section on your website, by the way, I would highly recommend everybody, anybody, anybody and everybody take a look at. <clears throat> but we're, we're, tell us a little bit about um, the, the, uh, the, the safety valve here and that your conversion process is, is kind of a, a promoting a hybrid that could have a car run on the original diesel fuel, particularly in cold weather, versus um, you know, a conversion that was moving a car to 100% running on vegetable oil. Tell us a little bit about that innovation that you're bringing to the table and why it makes this, uh, makes this decision quite a bit easier for people to, to, uh, to wrestle with. Sure. Well, I would I would point out uh, right away that it's not you know it's not something that we have a patent on or it's not something that we invented. This is uh, you know we're standing on the shoulders of a giant, a guy named Rudolf Diesel, who uh, invented his motor back in the late 19th century. So this is over a hundred years old. And when he when he unveiled this at the World uh, Fair exhibition in Paris in 1900, it was running on peanut oil. So I don't want to uh, I don't want to harbor any illusions about who the real uh, innovators are here. But we and, you know, a a handful of other companies like us specialize in in making conversion kits that can make, you know, just about any diesel vehicle run on veggie oil. And there there is a company, it's based out of Germany, called Elsbet, that manufactures and sells a single tank, what they call a single tank conversion. But it's not 
recommended in a climate like ours where, you know, we've, you know if you've been around Boston this week, it's been down in the, the low teens and the single digits. And uh, vegetable oil has a much higher gel point uh, than regular diesel fuel. And if you were trying to run just on veggie oil in, uh, in Boston this week, even with, you know, as much electrical preheating as you can do, you're still going to have problems with the fuel gelling in your lines. So what we recommend is a two-tank system. The, uh, the driver starts the car on petroleum diesel, um, and then as soon as the car reaches operating temperature, the, uh, the coolant from the, the motor will have heated up the vegetable oil. We, we make a, you know, a circuit of, of uh, radiator fluid that, that runs through the vegetable oil tank and heats it up as you're, as you're driving on diesel, and as soon as it's hot, it's hot enough, you just hit a switch, and then you're running on, on vegetable oil. It's not, it's not like a blend of the two. You just start up on the diesel tank, and then when it's ready, you switch over to the vegetable oil tank. Is that transition ever a rough one? <laughs> Do you lose speed if, it doesn't, if it's not warm enough? Uh, it, yeah, you could have problems. I mean, we definitely recommend that people follow instructions, you know, but that's like anything in life. If you don't pay attention to the instructions, you could have trouble. So, uh, I mean, it is the kind of thing where, you know, the vegetable oil filter, you put a, an additional fuel filter in line. You know, all cars have a fuel filter under the hood. Um, so when you put a veggie oil system in, you put an additional filter in, and those require changing on a, on a pretty frequent basis, um, like every, you know, couple of 3,000 miles, like as, as you would do an oil change. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you when you change that filter, you've got to make sure that you don't have any air trapped in the line because then you could switch over to your vegetable oil tank, and if there is air in there, you know you would have problems with your engine. The good thing is, if you do have a failure on the veggie side, you can just switch back over to diesel and, and operate normally until you know someone can figure out what's going on. A lot of times, the customer will call us, and we can troubleshoot it over the phone with them. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are risks, but you know, there's risks mowing the lawn, you know, but <laughs> you got to kind of know what you're doing, and uh, if you're comfortable with the technology, then you should be uh, you should be good to go. And for that reason, we encourage our customers to participate in the conversion process with us. It's it's more than most people want to take on, but we definitely encourage it. You know, each and every one of our our prospective clients to to sit in on the conversion if they'd like, um, because we just feel if you have a grasp of what's going on, you're going to be that much better off if you are, if you do have trouble down the road. Um, and that's another, you know, that's another part of our, our customer service, service orientation that we, that we like to remind people about. You know, we're right here in Boston. If you're in the Boston or greater Boston area and you have one of these cars, you know, get in touch with us if you're having trouble because we like to, we like to keep them on the road, you know. Tell us it. Tell us about the conversion process itself. <clears throat> I was quite surprised to learn that it, it, it it's relatively easy and can be done in, in, in a day or less. Is that is that right? And give us give us an idea of what kind of mechanical challenges you have in, in the conversion process. Sure. Well, I mean, I can just speak for myself. I was an English major, and I you know I learned everything I knew about cars by driving. Uh, shit boxes. I don't know. Can I say that on the radio? <laughs> you can crappy. say it, I guess, because you just did. That's that's my answer. That's fine. Go ahead. I, I drove crappy cars my whole life, and that was that was basically my training. And uh, I didn't have a whole lot more than that. And you're really not you're not really doing anything to the engine. Like I said before, you know, Rudolf De- uh, Rudolf Diesel uh, invented this to run on vegetable oil. So the the conversion is basically finding a way to heat the oil 
and then plumbing your fuel system in such a way that it gets to the injector pump when you ask for it. Um, and so that's what we do. You know, you put in a second tank, you, you use copper loops, you know, half-inch plumbing copper mm. inside the tank and uh, circulate the coolant through that. You know, you tap into the hot pipe that's coming off your cylinder head and you circulate the coolant back there and it heats it up marvelously, you know. You're getting uh, 180 or 190-degree coolant, you know, in direct contact through a, a copper heat exchanger with the veggie oil, and that stuff is getting super hot. Um, and then, you you know, they sell valves, electric, uh, what they call solenoid valves at any auto parts store, and you just switch between diesel and veggie oil uh, when, when your temperature gauge tells you that it's time to do it. So it's, it's pretty basic. You put in the extra tank, you run the extra radiator hoses back to it, whether you go under the car or inside the cabin is kind of a, a personal preference. But once you have heat going back to the tank, then you just run a, a fuel line up from that tank to your injector pump, and that's where you put that switch. So, you know, you have a button on your dashboard that says, I want to be running on diesel or I want to be running on veggie oil. Fantastic. Let's take a break, and we'll be back with some more interesting questions with, with Patrick. We'll back at you in one second. <clears throat> We're back with Patrick Keeney. Patrick, thanks for joining us today on the show. Really, this is an exciting opportunity. Thanks for being here. Sure. So <clears throat> tell us a little bit about the, the always asked question in a conversation I'm sure you have with people about this topic. What kind of expenses are incurred uh, for, for, the, for the conversion process? Uh, we typically charge... Uh, 1300 to convert your standard passenger vehicle. Um, that includes the parts, the labor. We'll give you some vegetable oil to, to drive away <laughs> with. Um, and that's, that's basically covering the cost of our, our conversion kit and our installation. We are happy to install conversion kits that other companies make. We've done several of those, and we charge, you know, 700 bucks usually. Uh, to do one of those, if it's a fancier um, kit, and we, you know, it may the price may go up, but you know that's sort of the base. There's 700 bucks, and that's two guys working a, you know, a 10 or a 12 hour day. We start early in the morning, and then, you know, by the time troubleshooting is done, uh, you know, it's it's past supper time. So we feel it's a good value. It's definitely cheaper than anybody else we've found, um, but I think that has mostly to do with the the sort of simplicity of our kit. It's very efficient and very basic, and they get a lot more fancy uh, from from where we start, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and tell us about that range of products that are out there. I mean, this is, do you have a sense uh, for how many total vegetable oil-based vehicles are on the road in the United States right now? Do you have any stats or have you, have you come across any regarding how big of, a, of an audience this is? I honestly couldn't say, and I don't know that anyone can. I mean, there are plenty of people who do this, and they try to stay, you know, they try to stay under the radar with it um, because there's questions about, you know, does the EPA approve of it? You know, is everyone paying the proper amount of road tax? And on and on and on. So there are plenty of people that I'm aware of that do this and don't draw any attention to themselves. And there's people that do it like us, and we have bumper stickers all over the car that say, you know, powered by vegetable oil. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to gauge. There are websites, there are plenty of websites out there that people can go to um, and sort of get a sense of what's going on. The best one uh, that I've found is called Fill Up for Free. 
um, and the four is the letter or the number four. So it's philupforfree.org or .com. And it's basically a map of the U.S. Uh, that shows where all the, the clusters of people that are doing this are. Uh, and you can find us on there. But there are plenty of people uh, in addition to us in other parts of the country. In fact, I just drove to San Francisco and back uh, last October and used that website as a resource. I was able to get free filtered oil across the country, you know, out there and back. Um, my trip to San Francisco uh, wound up costing me about $20 in, in diesel. Mm, wow. <clears throat> On the $1,300 expense, how quickly do you think you recoup that expense with a normal, uh, you know, wear and tear in a car and, 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 you know, typical gas prices, although diesel prices are, I guess, a little bit cheaper. So what do you, what do you think you're saving? I mean, you know, how much diesel fuel are you needing to use, particularly in the New England area, <clears throat> throughout the course of an entire year? versus how much of your saving. Do you have a thought on that, or have you done any math there? Yeah, we've done it. We've done the, the, the numbers on it. And actually, uh, just a, a slight correction, diesel is more expensive than gasoline. We're paying ah. about three seventy a gallon, which is, I think, more than you guys are paying for, uh, for super unleaded. So you pay more for diesel these days. Um, I know it's been different in the past, but it's now a lot more expensive to buy diesel because it's the ultra-low sulfur uh, that the EPA has mandated. Um, when we did the math on it, we determined that, you know, if someone's putting on 10,000 miles a year, you know, anywhere in that ten to 12,000 range, which is considered average, you know, the kit pays for itself in the first 10 months or so. It, you know, after the first year, you're definitely making money. Hmm. Tell us about um, the reception you've had from restaurants um, and or Greasy spoons, shall we say, <laughs> um, that uh, and their willingness to to want to relinquish their their grease to you, and and what the challenges are to make something like that happen. Most of the time, we go there, and they're you know I would say ninety nine point nine percent of the time, they're very eager to have it go to a more sustainable use than it's being put to by you know the big rendering companies. Like you know, in addition to the fact that we're taking it for free. Uh, whereas the rendering companies are charging them, um, a lot of the restaurants think it's pretty cool. You know, we pull up with a with a car that's running on vegetable oil and say, "Hey, you know, we can take that stuff out of there for free for you." And oh, by the way, you know, we're running cars on it and heating our house with it, and and on and on and on. And I don't, I, you know, I've never had anyone say, "You know what? I'd rather stick with the system we have where we pay to get it <laughs> disposed of." You know, <laughs> so it's it's not a problem. I mean, we've heard estimates. That there are, you know, between thirty and forty thousand restaurants in the greater Boston area, and most of them are doing some, some sort of frying. So, you know, there's an embarrassment of riches out there in terms of, of oil that's available, and we uh, we have plenty of satisfied customers in terms of, you know, restaurant owners or managers who are glad to see us show up every week or every other week and uh, and haul away their waste oil. They know it's going to a good home. Have you experimented with using <clears throat> vegetable oil for heating homes and or, you know, that sort of process? Yeah, both Jamie and I have. Jamie is heating a, uh, a turn-of-the-century Victorian with, uh, with straight vegetable oil out in his hometown in Hudson. And here in Boston, we're heating uh, uh, a two-family in Brighton with uh, biodiesel, which is vegetable oil that we've, you know, that we've done the chemical uh, conversion to. 
and we heat using that here in uh, our home in Boston. What are the challenges there? Did you do the conversion process yourself or, or buy a, a kit? No. Well, what conversion process are you talking about? Well, taking, say, an oil-burning, you know, uh, an oil-burning furnace and, and converting it over to a veggie-burning furnace. Is, is that what you did? Jamie has done that, and it in- involves adding, you know, very similar to what we do in the car. You have to put heat exchangers in line to get the, the viscosity of the veggie oil down, um, and at that point you can, uh, you can run it. It doesn't run off a pump. It runs off air compressors, um, so it's a little involved. Um, it's certainly not the kind of thing I would recommend if you were, you know, just a layman getting into it. But uh, it's not it's, the learning curve isn't huge on it either. Like Jamie's been able to train himself on it, and there's a whole group of people that are uh, that are exploring these kinds of, of options. And then for us, we set up our own biodiesel processor. We made it out of an old discarded electric hot water heater, and we make the biodiesel in there, and then we just pour it into our, you know, standard home heating oil container. And the only the only upgrade you have to make there is the pump that pulls the fuel into the into the heater uh, the heating element. You have to upgrade that so that it's biodiesel compatible because the biodiesel will will degrade the rubber that it comes into contact with inside the pump. So as soon as you've upgraded that pump, which is like a a sixty dollar item, then you're good to burn your own fuel in your uh, home heating oil furnace. We'll take a break, everyone. We'll be right back at you. Life Tips on webmasterradio.fm. We'll be back with more cool tips and advice right after these commercial messages. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998 and formerly known as Joe Bucks, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Um, hello, uh, welcome to our website. Website traffic isn't about paying for clicks. Okay, so I guess we're going to wait until everyone shows up and then we'll... Uh, um... It's about having the right content. So while you're searching for more traffic, the folks at InfoSearch Media are creating the content people are searching for. With InfoSearch Media, you can get more traffic for less money than PPC. So the next time you need to speak to your customers... Welcome to our website. They're already searching for you. InfoSearch Media. Get content that really clicks. Can you believe how long it takes to order food here? Uh, here we go. Excuse me. She's not even looking over here. Great service is hard to come by. Whether you're sitting at a bar, restaurant, or creating effective search advertising campaigns. Um, excuse me. I think we need to go somewhere else. It's easy to feel forgotten, especially when your advertising budget is on the line. LookSmart serves up to 400 million queries a day with a side of the best customer service in the online advertising industry. Hi, how are y'all doing today? What can I get you folks to eat? You were right. This place is so much better. LookSmart, premium and performance advertising solutions. This is Market Edge. 
Paul Gillen. He writes the social media column for B2B Magazine and his new book, The New Influencers. Tell us about your book. It's about how influence works in an environment in which everybody is essentially equal. Anybody can talk, anybody can say whatever they want. There are no rules, no governing bodies, no standards boards. And yet out of this, a remarkably sophisticated system of governance is emerging that is really something I think marketers need to understand. Market Edge with Larry Weber, Tuesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and on demand after the show inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. The whoring of Facebook for promotional purposes continues with the webmasterradio.fm Facebook fan page. Join our fans by clicking the Facebook logo on the webmasterradio.fm homepage and keep up to date with all the latest. Become a fan on Facebook. And now back to Life Tips, the show that offers expert tips and savvy advice to make life easier and more fun. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host. Chatting today with Patrick Keeney, the founder of Green Grease Monkey. Are you familiar with any, any, uh, any companies actually selling conversion kits, you know, as, and, and not doing the installation that have been very successful and what their stats are? I mean, is anybody making a living? And, and actually, that's my question for you as well. Are you doing this full-time yourself? Probably, probably not, obviously, but, um, you know, is it your goal to do it full-time? And are you doing it full-time? Maybe you are. Yeah, since April of, of this year, of the past year of 07, I've been doing it full-time. Prior to wow. that, I was doing political consulting in addition to that. And, uh, yeah, I've managed for the last few months to make it, you know, to make it pay the bills. I'm not getting rich, but there are people who are. I mean, out in the western part of Massachusetts, there's a company called Grease Car, and I think their earnings are in the $10 million range. They sell... You know, they sell hundreds of kits where we sell dozens. You know, they're like, uh, you know, kind of the Microsoft of the the industry. They're the big player, and uh, they're just out in in Western Mass. Um, and they're they're linked to our website. We put all the the other companies that do this on our website, and I think I, I have it explained on our our links page that we we don't consider them competitors. We consider them you know co-conspirators or collaborators. Like this is. We consider this to be basically an open source technology. Like Diesel was the guy that that did it, and he's long, you know, since passed away. So there's no point in us trying to hoard any of this knowledge. We want, you know, our goal is to 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 get as many people aware of this as possible. And uh, you know, so it doesn't make sense for us to kind of you know point people away from other folks that are doing what we consider to be good work. All you know, notwithstanding the fact that we're you know competing with them, quote unquote. Have you approached any taxi cab companies to try to make the conversion across the board? No, but I'm aware of a, a group in Hawaii that has done that. Um, you know, the way taxi cab licenses are handled in Boston and Cambridge, I think it would be tough. Um, I just don't, I don't see that as a possibility, but we have been, been dealing with small fleets of diesel delivery trucks, like those box trucks that you see everywhere. Um, and there's a company in Cambridge that we're working with to convert their fleet. That's where we see the uh, the sort of growth for it. You know, these these guys that are running these these diesel trucks around all over town. You know, right, right. Uh, and do you feel as the is the is the industry grows and matures a little bit? You know, where do you think the EPA is going to come down on all of this? And and what is what what could be the issues with the EPA? Well, what the EPC, what the EPA is saying. Now, you know, their present stance is that the, the 
the emissions haven't been tested, and therefore they can't be, um, you know, they can't be approved. So until the EPA gets around to running tests on, you know, vegetable oil exhaust, um, you know, they're not going to approve it for on-the-road use. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say anything too controversial here, but I will just plainly state that corporations own our government, and that includes the EPA. And, you know, there's plenty of ways that, uh, that regulation can keep ideas like this from, from getting into the mainstream. It's happened plenty of times before, and I'm sure, you know, if they get their mind to it, they can, they can squash this if they want. But the, that's part of, you know, the other work that we do is organizing a movement in support of this type of sustainable fuel so that, you know, if and when that should happen, that we're ready to respond, you know, that we can mount uh, a campaign against, you know, misguided regulatory uh, decisions that would, that would kind of take this out of people's reach. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the revolving door between the, the USDA and the EPA and, and big corporate interests is well documented, you know. So the guys that are making those decisions, to say nothing of the people in Congress and the, the White House, do not have, you know, what's good for the environment at the top of their agenda. Like, that's clear. Um, and I'd argue that with anybody if you want to have a next show. But uh, <laughs> that's, how we, that's how we look at it. Like, you know, there's, there's laws and then there's laws, you know. And, uh, you know, if, if the U.S. government is going to break international laws in the Middle East, well, hell, we'll break, you know, the EPA law here. I mean, it doesn't bother me. You know, you couldn't, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who cared less about what the federal government thinks of this, you know. What about the legalities? You know, is it legal to run a car on biofuel on today's day and age? Yeah, I mean, to be truthful, I don't care. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't care less about the legality of it. You know, and I go back to my, you know, there's... Have you ever known anybody that's been pulled over and questioned or given a ticket or, 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 you know, told not to drive the car? There are uh, isolated incidents of that happening in places like North Carolina. I think it happened in Illinois was another place. Um, and, you know, there was a bit of a backlash. And I think in North Carolina it happened to a, a citizen, and then it turned out that one of the state senators in, in North Carolina was actually driving a veggie-powered car himself. Hmm. Um, and then there was the backlash, and, you know, the fines were all rescinded and things like that. I mean, we're in a period right now where it's not tightly regulated, where there's not enough people doing it to, to bring it to their attention, where there's a whole lot of other stuff going on that, that seems yeah. to have people worked up. So it's, it's, it's a gray area. But at the same time, like, we maintain that we are doing, you know, you know we're, we're leading where government has failed. And uh, if they want to stop us, then they're going to have to, like, come and do it physically because I'm not stopping just because some, you know, pointy-headed bureaucrat says, well, you can't do that. You know, okay, you know, come stop me. That's how we feel about it. What do you think the the challenges are for mass market distribution and facilitating of, of, of the biofuel uh, industry as a whole? Are there limitations? Are there, are there issues here? There are. Um, you know, there, the model that uh, the model of development that the world has been uh, has been experiencing for the last I'd say two or three decades, the so-called globalization model, has really uh, failed, in my opinion. And and if if biofuels are are sort of 
to be embraced, I think we have to move away from that particular model and towards something that's more local and more sustainable. Because what we'll wind up doing is just exchange, you know, petroleum fuels for, um, you know, mass-developed biofuels, which are going to be um, grown in, in third-world countries at the expense of, you know, local populations. Their their food crops will be, you know, uprooted and, and veggie uh, oil-producing crops will go in. Uh, so you'll have the same issues that we see now in the world, um, only exacerbated by the fact that we now have to generate all this biofuel to to satisfy the thirst of, of the developing countries. So, you know, I don't, I personally don't want to see that become the future of biofuels. So we, we try to educate people on what the realities are. Um, but there, you know, what Diesel foresaw, and he truly was a genius beyond just his, his invention, was that, you know, this would this would be a, a, liberate, a liberating technology, that people, that communities could grow their own fuel and wouldn't be dependent on anyone else. So, like, small businesses and farmers would be able to power their, their local economy with their own crops. And that's the, type of, uh, that's the type of future we'd like to see and not one where, you know, giant biofuels corporations are, you know, bringing genetically modified soy oil from Brazil or wherever so that we can all continue to drive you know, two miles down the road for a gallon of milk when we need it. Like, the system that we're in right now is not sustainable, and it doesn't matter if you, can, you know, if you transfer all the, the, the petroleum fuel over to biofuel, it's still going to be unsustainable. Um, so I think we have to look kind of beyond those types of bottlenecks, you know, just in terms of, like, what infrastructure do we need to make this, you know, more viable and talk instead about the systems that underlie it and how we we create something that's really sustainable in the long run, and that's what, you know, that's what we're about. Right. Do you think that there's a business um, out there for recycled veggie oil distribution, um, you know, that could work in your mind? And, you know, somebody that goes around to all the restaurants and has, has a has a veggie tank and, and all the oil goes into that tank and then it goes to a place that, be, that you know, can become a central depository or distribution center, a veggie oil station, if you will, um, and, 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 you know, and, and even where people might pay, you know, 50 cents a gallon you know, or, or some reduced fee. Can you see something like that happening in, in the world as you see it, as, as you move forward, particularly in the city? Oh, yeah, that, that sort of thing is already happening. Um, you know, there's companies that are collecting oil. Uh, there's a company right in the Boston area. It's called the Big Green Hippo. And they, uh, they collect oil and they sell it to Newport Biodiesel. There's a, uh, a for-profit biodiesel refinery down in Newport, Rhode Island, and they're using Boston area restaurant oil to make uh, biodiesel for their customers in Newport. And, and so what already, kind of customers are using happening. biodiesel? What, what kind of engines are we talking about here? I would imagine because it's on the water, they're doing a lot of sales to boats, but I, I don't know. I just met the guy a couple of weeks ago, so I haven't really talked to him about it, but I know they have they have demand for all of their, their output. Hmm. And are there, it sounds to me like there's a pretty big community out there. Are you a member of any community-driven nonprofit organizations related to green living and or veggie oil? Are there... Well, we are members of NOFA, which is the Northeast Organic Farmers Association, and uh, that's a group of, of people that are trying to to um, advance uh, the, the 
the ideals of organic, sustainable farming, and we're we're completely in line with uh, with their vision uh, because we think you know hand in hand with that goes the idea that you know we can we can grow all the food that we need right here, and in addition to that, we can grow all the fuel we need. Um, and if it, if it ever became a decision between fuel crops and food crops, which it is um, in many developing countries, then we you know we would have the ability to to make that decision here locally in a more or less democratic way. Whereas in the system we're in now, the decision gets made by you know governments and consumers in the developing world and you know people in the uh, or in the developed world, I should say, and then people in the, the non-industrialized countries suffer. So we're kind of uh, we're kind of involved in, in lots of other movements um, in addition to the biofuel stuff because I don't see it as being unrelated. Like all of these problems, you know, poverty and and hunger and homelessness and energy and, um, you know, political decision-making, they're all interrelated. So we try, although we have, you know, our specialization, um, we try to keep abreast of, of other movements that are, are pursuing more sustainable options. Um, and, and that includes pro-democracy movements, you know. I would mm. I would love to see stuff like that happen uh, in this country. Do you think that the definition of organic farming may change with the advent of biodiesel fuels and <clears throat> to be truly organic in, in, in the sense of organic, how a, f- how a fruit or vegetable is actually harvested should come into play? I mean, would you, would you, would you make that quantum leap saying true organic is how you grow something, how you fertilize it, and how you harvest it? Yeah, I don't think that's too much of a stretch. Uh, to, and and I don't say that just based on my you know ruminations. <laughs> Personal on bias. Like, we have, you know, we have organic farmers in the in the Boston area that have that have asked us to to supply them with biodiesel because they think, you know, as long as they have the organic certification, they should be doing everything they can to prevent you know uh, toxic exposures to the to the food they're selling. So they want to you know they want to run biodiesel in their tractors. And in their harvesters, at the same time, they're, you know, not using pesticides and fertilizers and things like that. So, yeah, I would, I would say that definitely makes sense. Have you thought about approaching Whole Foods, for example? You know, a monster conglomerate now, practically, and, and expanding like crazy, and going to them and asking them to subsidize, you know, um, the investment of, of biodiesel conversions to the very farmers that they're buying produce to. Um. No, I hadn't. You know, that's not one of the things we had thought about. Our, our focus right now is on, uh, you know, establishing a biodiesel or a, a green energy cooperative in Boston. Um, but the, you know, you could sit around with with a half dozen people and generate, you know, a hundred great ideas. That's the, that's the fun thing about this revolution that we're we're playing our small part in. Is there's so much upside and so much great potential. It's just. You know, people have to get used to the idea that we're going to have to do it ourselves. That no, you know, no Superman elected leader is going to is going to lead the charge on this. It's time for the people, you know, to push the politicians aside and and take the bull by the horns. Because the longer we wait for some, you know, some politician to do it, the longer we're going to be without these types of viable solutions. You know, again, that's just my opinion. But I've been, you know, like I said before, my part-time job before this was political consultant, so I know how. To, <laughs> The game works, you know, right? And it, and then, and that's in part what drove me to this. Just the idea, you know, that it's really hard to create meaningful change through those, through those channels, you know. 
Well, Patrick, you are really making a difference in the world, and uh, and I think uh, you know people uh, really will will uh, will be excited to listen to this recording. And thanks everyone for listening. So, to get a hold of, if any Bostonians want to get a hold of you in the Boston area here for a possible conversion assessment and discussion, how can they get a hold of you? Um, uh, you know, is the website the place to go, or, or a phone, or how can we help you grow your business? Well, if people want to to get in touch, you know, there's a whole a range of services that we provide, and if they're curious about any of them, just uh, go to the website, which I think you mentioned at the top of the show. It's Green Grease Monkey dot com. That's all one word: Green Grease Monkey. Um, and there's a, a a page there for contact info, and it's a um, an email address that I check. You know, a couple times a day. So yeah, if, and I wouldn't limit it to Boston. I mean, we travel all over New England doing this stuff. So, um, and when I went out to San Francisco last year, I went out and converted a friend's car there and, and did a, put on an impromptu workshop. So, we'll travel. I mean, we're we're really about you know making this happen uh, at the grassroots level. So yeah, any and all people should should get in touch if they're interested, or uh, you know, or if they have suggestions like like some of the ones that you offered. You know, we're we're open to them. Well, listen, thanks again for being on the show. Best of luck to you uh, and, and Jamie, your partner, with, with everything you're doing. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, a, a follow-up from this maybe uh, in a year when you have hundreds of cars under your belt, hopefully, <laughs> and you've yeah. started the Boston Revolution uh, of, of conversion. So thanks again for being on the show. Yeah, it was a great opportunity for us. Thanks for having us. Right on. Until next week, everybody, hope your, hope your life's a little greener and better and faster and wiser. Thanks for being on the show today. And uh, thanks again, Patrick. We'll look forward to checking in with everybody next week. Thanks again.